As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Sam Khan and I am joined today by my good friends Jason Kersey and Max Olson. Uh, we're going to talk about two main topics today. Of course, the biggest news of the week in the Big 12 world. Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley left to USC. The Sooners are engaged in a coaching search as we speak. We're going to talk a lot about that with Jason and Max. And then, of course, the Big 12 Championship coming up on Saturday. Oklahoma State and Baylor at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Oklahoma State still in the playoff mix. Baylor in their second Big 12 Championship game in three years. So, guys, it's been a busy week. I'll start with you, Jason. At 11.29 on Sunday morning, Bruce Feldman tweeted, I would not be surprised if USC took a big swing to try to pry Lincoln Riley away from OU now. I was a little surprised when I saw that, and I'm curious, from that moment almost 96 hours ago, how have you been doing ever since do, that do, tweet? Do you remember what I texted you, Jason? When we, we texted about this tweet. I told you, hey, it's Bruce. I don't think he'd tweet it for no reason. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, when it's Bruce, you got to take it seriously. I still was skeptical. Yeah, um, of course. Because, because here's the thing. After the Bedlam game, Lincoln Riley said, I'm not going to be the coach at LSU, which Next everyone- question. Everyone interpreted to mean I'm going to be the coach at OU, including myself. And I think Lincoln knew that's how it would be interpreted. And uh, but but then he went on to talk about how in line he is with the administration and we'll continue to work well together and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there was no reason to believe that that anything like that would happen. And so, yeah, Jason, he hadn't even heard from USC at that point, I'm sure. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was, all just was, happened in a matter of hours overnight and the next day. Yeah. I my favorite tweet of the week has been I can't even I don't even know who to give it who to give credit for because I can't remember my head's uh been in, you know, in a million places. But somebody said that the same guy who took 2 months to decide between Kyler Murray and Austin Kendall made a life-changing decision in hours. Oh, <laughs> wow. I love it. Wow. I love it. So true. Yeah. So, so true. So I'm curious, obviously we we've been through the reaction obviously Lincoln's at USC, he's done his introduction introductory presser. Bob Stoops has reappeared now as the interim coach, which I truly enjoyed, especially the fact that, by the way, Bob Stoops is out recruiting for yeah. Oklahoma. Like, he is an OG in my mind for going out and recruiting now as an interim coach. But I- I'm curious, Jason, when you look at this week, what has been, I guess, the most eye-popping stuff that that you have endured? Because this is not normal territory for Oklahoma. They're not used to doing coaching searches. What What has been the craziest thing for you so far? You know, I jinxed myself because a couple months ago, I was having a conversation with my editor and yours, Kate Haropoulos, Sam, where I sort of just casually said to her that, you know, I OU is so stable. There's there's never any drama. Uh, there's never any coaching searches. Like, And I said something to her like, I don't even know what I would do if I had to do a coaching search. I'm not sure I'd know how to do it. 
I jinxed myself. It's it's my own fault. But yeah, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy few days. Um, on Sunday, I went down. Well, I've been to Norman basically every day uh, this week, um, hanging around the stadium, hanging around the Norman Airport, trying to uh, uh, trying to talk to as many people as I can. Hanging went, around the bus stop with Eddie Radosovich. No, no, <laughs> that, that was all Eddie. Eddie Eddie's got the bus stop man by himself, actually. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, on uh, on Monday morning, I went out to the OKC airport. Uh, with Eddie and then Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, and we sort of ambushed uh, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch as they were trying to leave for L.A. Uh, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning that day to get out there. Um, it was funny because Grinch walked in first and acknowledged us but declined to comment. He did make a little bit of small talk with us, but then he walked away and got on his phone, and we were like, oh, he's calling Lincoln. And then a few minutes later, Lincoln just pulls straight through and onto the tarmac. He stopped at the gate waiting for it to open. And Eddie's standing there with his camera, like right at the window. It was, <laughs> this has been the weirdest week, man. You, you, you were expecting a, a tearful goodbye and a nice, a nice hug for all the years you guys have spent together, right? Oh yeah, totally. Totally. So it was, uh, so yeah, I, you know, talking to, but, but I will say this, uh, to get to some substance here. The uh, the mood inside the OU football offices right now is bad. Um, th- these people, I think that, you know, when you take a job at Oklahoma, you assume because of all the stability, um, you assume that you're 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 not going to have to deal with anything like this. And I understand that this is the world that we live in. This is the coaching world. But these people took a job at Oklahoma where everything's been stable forever. And, um, you know, my understanding is. No work is getting done in there. People are just doing what we're all doing. They're sitting on Twitter trying to figure out what's going to happen next, or they're trying to figure out what their next move is going to be. Um, the assistant coaches don't know. Some of them don't know if they're going to get an offer from USC or if they're going to have uh, if they're going to have to go find a job. So right now, some of them are just recruiting for OU. Some of them are recruiting for both, as we found out. <laughs> Roy Manning. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, on on Tuesday night we have this crazy story where. Yeah, Roy Manning is out in pictures with recruits and Bob Stoops, and then at night we have a, a recruit, a USC recruit, saying that Roy Manning Jackson, is te- one of the best corners in the country. Yeah, is texting him on behalf of USC. Um, the OU compliance office responded to that on Twitter. Um, a bunch of the OU players uh, were upset about it. Um, I, I I think that a lot of people do genuinely feel betrayed. I think a lot of the OU players do feel that way. I've talked to some of them. Um, I ran into one OU player yesterday. I, I'm not going to name who he is, but he's a starter. I ran into him yesterday outside the stadium, and and he said, you know, after the Bedlam game, Lincoln stood up and told us, we've got one more game to do it together, guys. And then one day later, he was gone. And he said, you know, they just they just all feel shocked. And, and uh, we right now, we don't know what the roster is going to look like for the bowl game. We don't know who's going to be coaching in that bowl game. It is, it is, it's chaos right now. Max, you were there at Bedlam. Crazy. crazy. Well, and I think it's – I'm curious how you guys see it now that we've had a few days to process this. And the funny thing is on Sunday we're saying, man, this is a hire with with almost no precedent. And then the next day Brian Kelly goes to LSU. So, you know, now we've got two in one week. But um, I'm curious how you guys – like I, I know I reacted on Sunday with kind of my own sort of, uh, I don't know, assumptions about why he would make this move. We've, we've seen Lincoln Riley give press conferences since then. We've seen the OU administration be able to kind of give their side of things. I do feel like I'm fascinated by how we ended up with this divorce because certainly outside looking in, it seemed like when you talk about quote-unquote alignment in college athletics, you think Oklahoma is one of the you know shining examples of that on, on down from president AD head coach. Um, we, we have like a lot of ideas about why Lincoln is leaving this job and taking the other one. I kind of think now it's just, he just likes the other job better. He just likes the opportunity there better than the one he has at, at Oklahoma. But I'm curious how you guys make sense now. If you know, we've had a few days to process it of why Lincoln Riley did this. Yeah. I think the thing that struck me is, and I know a lot of people have said that, well, he's scared of the sec or whatever, which I think is probably overstating it a bit. I think there's something to be said about quality of life. And 
let's not forget Bob Stoops, who was his predecessor at Oklahoma, was a big is a big believer in quality of life. He's a big believer in not playing office chicken until you know midnight every night and things like that. And if you're going to go into this conference, you're going to go recruit against Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, and Jumbo Fisher, who do not have that balance. And if you take the foot off the gas just a little bit, they're going to eat you alive. It is a 24-7, 365 meat grinder to recruit in that conference. And I totally understand why somebody would not want to get into that. Lincoln strikes me as a type that maybe doesn't want to do that. And and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think and, that's totally And there fine. are candidates for this job who feel the same way. I know that, too. It's interesting that you think Oklahoma going to the SEC – is a really exciting, you know, perk and opportunity of the job. There are some people who look at it and say, I don't know if I view that job the same way if you have to, you know, get down into the mud of SEC recruiting. Yeah, because it's a di- it's a different beast in that conference, especially if you're trying to win a national championship. If you if you're just trying to be a middle of the pack program, it's fine. No big deal. I mean, you you can do what you have to do and still get top flight players and and not have to deal with it to the extent to be elite. But to win the conference, to win a national championship, Yes, you have to do that because the minute you slip, one of those other three are going to get after you. And that's also surprising me why Brian Kelly took the LSU job because at least from people I've talked to, it doesn't sound like he's that type either. But I guess it depends on what kind of staff you hire. But you look at the situation that he was that Lincoln was in at Oklahoma, really easy path to a conference title, really easy path to the playoff. You go to USC, and if you recruit like he should be able to out there, you have that exact same scenario. And I think it's a really smart move in his regard, but no doubt it leaves a lot of collateral damage in his wake. There, there's also a part of this that, um, like, if you if you follow what's gone on between, um, you know, Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, and LSU, I think one of the, the, the clear issues, and there's a lot of parallels, I think, in those situations. Obviously, Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame a lot longer than Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma. But... Brian Kelly achieved everything but a national title, essentially, at, at um, Notre Dame. And the thing that I think a lot of people kind of are clinging to on that one is, wow, clearly Brian Kelly doesn't believe you can win a national championship at Notre Dame, especially when you're leaving when they're in the top six, potentially can make the top four and all that. And one of the things Tommy Reese said last night when he decided to say at Notre Dame is, you know, I want to win a national championship here. We can win a national championship here. So I'm curious, Jason, after covering – several semifinal losses for Oklahoma. Do you wonder a little bit if Lincoln makes this move, not, not just because the Pac-12 is not not looking very hard to conquer right now, but is do you, do you feel like, and, and I guess how does the fan base kind of take this, this possibility that Lincoln feels like you can't be the, the, the number one or number two best team in the country at Oklahoma the way, the way this sport is set up right now? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a strong possibility that that's part of it. I mean, if you think about it, they've gotten, I mean, I almost feel weird saying this, but every year that Lincoln's been the head coach, they've gotten a little bit worse, just a little bit worse every year. They were, 2017, his first year as head coach, they were overtime from being in the national championship game, and I still believe they would have won that national championship game if they'd gotten to it. The next year, they get beat by 14, I think, by Alabama, but that game wasn't that close. The next year is the LSU debacle. Then last year, they don't make the playoff. They lose two games early in the regular season, but still win the Big 12. This year, they don't win the Big 12. Um, so it's gotten a little bit worse. So I, you, know, you sort of wonder if he feels like he's hit his ceiling at Oklahoma, which is bizarre because he, my uh, understanding was always – from talking to people around him over these years was that he was obsessed with winning a national championship at Oklahoma. That is what he wanted to do. Um, And it's why I always believed he would only leave for an NFL job. I thought that he would eventually leave, but that it would be for an NFL job. So maybe he decided that, that that path doesn't exist for him or it's going to be really hard, especially with this sec move. And over in the Pac-12, look, he if if he gets USC rolling, they can be what Oklahoma has been in the Big 12. They can be what Clemson has been in the ACC, and maybe that's how he views it. And he's already out there recruiting in Southern California, plucking away a bunch of uh, guys who had previously been committed to Oklahoma. And uh, the talent certainly exists in that part of the country to put together that sort of roster. 
The next coach is going to have to piece together this recruiting class after this attrition. But I'm curious, Jason, from your perspective, how much attrition do you expect on the current roster? And obviously, namely, Caleb Williams. I know he was at the basketball game last night getting a huge ovation from the fans for just about any time he breathed. But yep. obviously, he's an important piece. What's the kind of vibe you get on Caleb and also the rest of the roster and how much they can keep that thing together? Well, the people close to Caleb are are locked down. I, you're, they are not talking right now. Um, you know, he put out one tweet, uh, just congratulating Lincoln on the job. But, uh, I, I wrote this, pardon me. I wrote this yesterday on the athletic. I believe that keeping Caleb Williams is the most important thing Oklahoma can do right now. Um, you know, whoever the head coach is needs to make that their top priority because if you lose Caleb Williams, all hell could break loose. They, they, uh, you know, Caleb Williams is such a magnetic personality. We saw that with the Sooner Summit thing he organized during the dead period. We saw it um, with just the way the team reacted to him. Sam, you saw that during the OU Texas game. This guy, if he stays, it would send such a message to recruits, to current players, um, that, that maybe things aren't falling apart. And I think that things could stabilize a little bit. But if he leaves, I think that uh, all bets are off. But yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be more transfer portal entries. I think there's going to be more decommitments. Um, and I think so much of it depends on who they hire as, as head coach because, uh, you know, whoever that is is going to have to try to hold this thing together or go out and get other kids to commit to them, commit to them. So uh, the next two weeks are critical. I, I, I don't know when they're going to make a hire, but I do think they've got to do it as soon as possible. Um yeah, I so far we've seen Jaden Hazelwood and Theo Weiss and Spencer Rattler enter the transfer portal. Rattler was not a an Austin Stogner, excuse me. Yeah, of course Austin Stogner. Um, and and I'm sure there'll be more. And it sounds but, like Marvin Mims is flirting with it too, possibly. I saw yeah. some Texas players were out there trying to recruit him over to Austin. TCU but that's what too. I mean. If you yeah. keep if you keep Caleb Williams, maybe you can keep Marvin Mims, right? <laughs> and and just. In terms of the importance of Caleb Williams coming, also literally, Jason, if Caleb Williams leaves, is the starting quarterback of Oklahoma in 2022 on the roster right now? No, no. Like they got to go find so. somebody. Yeah, you you lose uh, Caleb Williams, you lose Spencer Rattler. The third string quarterback right now is a walk on true freshman named Ralph Rucker, and I'm not, you know, no disrespect to. to is Ralph he the next Rucker. Baker Mayfield? Is that possible? Can't rule it out. Can't rule it out. Can't rule it out. But I mean, maybe then this got, is why Lincoln Riley tried to keep Chandler Morris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they've got they've got Micah Bowens, who was a transfer from Penn State, um, who never really materialized. Obviously, got beat out for the third string job by a freshman walk on. So yeah, they're going to have to hit the transfer portal to find a quarterback if they lose Caleb Williams. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, so, I am slightly terrified that while we are taping this podcast, Oklahoma will hire its next head coach. I, I guess we'll see. Ha, looks like it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it does feel like, Jason, it does, it does feel like this is coming real soon, though. Yeah, it does. It, that, that's been all the buzz around here uh, this week is that this this could happen really quickly. You know, Joe Castiglione sort of hinted earlier this week that he might uh, wait until after conference championship weekend in case there are people that he wants to talk to on any of those staffs. But... Um, but that's, but that's not been the buzz the last couple days. And, um, you know, I don't know who it's going to end up being. I have some ideas of who I think it could be, but, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a very good chance something goes down. We're recording here on Thursday. I think there's a great chance something goes down today or tomorrow. Let's, let's get into that a little bit first, Max, I'm going to flip it over to you. Who are the most sensible candidates in, in your mind for this gig that make the most sense that fit and, and that could help? keep this program where it is and, and elevate it potentially. Yeah. I, I think at this point, um, I think at this point, if I had to predict, I think it, it's going to be Brent Venables. And I think that that, um, and Jason, I, I'd, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on kind of that, the fit there. I'm sure you've thought about it this week, but I think that with all of the circumstances right now, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, certainly when you've got Bob Stoops back in the building here, kind of leading things and, 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 trying to settle everything down. Um, I think that's probably a bit of a powerful influence here in terms of 
hey, we, we need someone who loves this place. We need we, This can't be some stepping stone job. We know that if we get this hire wrong, this thing could go south, as we've seen at you know, so many other programs. Um, so I think somebody with, with the experience at Oklahoma, someone certainly Brent Venables has been ready to be a head coach for a long time. Um, I think that one would make sense. Certainly the offensive piece of that would be very curious in terms of what direction he goes in. I think from a brand standpoint, you kind of are going to want to maintain how people see Oklahoma right now, even if you're playing great defense under Venables. If they want to wait, like Jason said, I think I think Notre Dame moving on Marcus Freeman and, and, and you know seemingly planning to promote him as the next head coach creates some opportunity here for Oklahoma to, can you wait until the weekend's over and try to talk to a Luke Fickle or somebody who's playing in one of these conference title games? Um, because I, it, it, at least if Notre Dame's out of the way, I think that is helpful for you a little bit. Um, but I, beyond that, like, I don't think, you know, I don't think it makes sense for Matt rule to take this job, uh, because Oklahoma can't wait till January to hire a coach. I don't think it's gonna be Matt Campbell and maybe there'll be some surprise guys here. Uh, Joe Castiglione is very good and he hasn't had to run a search in a very long time on, in this sport. So, uh, you know, certainly he could surprise us all, but that's kind of my sense. That's my sense right now. And so Jason, what, what would you think, uh, you know, if it is Venables, First of all, how do you think people there would respond, and um, can it have the desired effect there of of uh, calming the chaos? I'll say this: I think people around here would be overjoyed by Brent Venables. And but what's what's sort of interesting is Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator through the 2011 season at Oklahoma. Um, there was some fear that the defense was slipping, and that's when Bob Stoops brought back Mike. Um, to be co-coordinators with Venables. And then that's when Venables left for Clemson. What's funny now is I think OU fans realize what they had because what Brent Venables has done, look at the way that Clemson's defense went since 2011 and the way Oklahoma's defense went since Brent Venables left. I think a lot of people now appreciate Brent Venables a little bit more than they did (laughs) around the time Robert Griffin III was winning the Heisman Trophy against them in 2011. So I think people would be overjoyed by it. Brent Venables uh, has deserved a head coaching job for a long time. He's done an incredible job at Clemson. Heck, would Clemson be nine and three without that defense right now? No, no, no No way. They're like six and six without that defense. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think Brent uh, cares about OU. I think he loves OU. I think he's continued to love OU even in his time away from, from what I understand. He and Joe Castiglione had a great relationship at the time, and I, I think they probably still do to some degree. Um, he knows what it takes to win at OU. Everything, though, would come down to who he hires as offensive coordinator because um, you know that, that would go a long way to determining whether or not they can keep, again, Caleb Williams. And I hate to keep bringing it back to that. I just think that's so important. No, there's no doubt. I, I think that's that's a key part. Are there anybody – is there anybody else that makes – sense as a fit to you in this like do you have any thoughts on fickle or is there anybody else out there that you feel like makes a sensible fit for oklahoma well i mean look if fickle is interested i think you have to talk to him i mean he's he's one of the hottest coaches in america he's done obviously an incredible job there at cincinnati so if he's interested i think you you certainly talk to him um but you know i whenever this all broke my first thought was matt campbell um, I, I mean, that, that was honestly the first name that came to mind for me. I think I may have even said that to you, Max, uh, but it doesn't sound like that's, that's going to happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Matt rule stuff was interesting, but really didn't make a whole lot of sense when you actually stopped and thought about it. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, we've seen Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator, his name tossed around a little bit. But but honestly, of the viable options right now, I, I really believe Venables is, is probably the best candidate. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. That's uh, a lot to chew on. As it's been, a, like I said, it's been a crazy ninety-six hours, and Oklahoma's got uh, a lot to to figure out here in the next uh, coming days, maybe a week. We'll see how long this thing goes. But it's uh, interesting times in Norman, Oklahoma. But in the meantime, there is actual football this weekend. We've got Big Twelve hey, championship. Y- you know what they're not doing in Oklahoma this weekend? They are not preparing for a Big Twelve title game for the first time in a long time. They are not, and Oklahoma State reminded Oklahoma of that a little bit. I saw on Wednesday some billboards went up around the state of Oklahoma uh, in in Cowboys colors that said "Best in Oklahoma." So Woo! The, yeah. the the Pokes are definitely taking advantage of that Bedlam win on Saturday. Which, by the way, both of you guys were there. How impressed were you by Jim Knowles and this defense? By the way, Oklahoma State was able to to fight back even after falling behind in that game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was incredibly impressed, especially after the first half Oklahoma's offense did, you know, went blow for blow with them in the first half. And then coming out of halftime, um, you know, th- there's a safety, uh, there's a muffed punt. OU scores really quickly. It's suddenly 33, 24. And then this is the part nobody remembers on the next drive, Spencer Sanders threw the ball right to Key Lawrence, who had a clear path clear to the path. end zone. Yeah. A pick six. That game is over, in my opinion, if that happens. 100%. Yeah, I think the, the, the 16-point swing there in kind of that, that middle eight that is always so important in football, the last four of uh, the first half, first four of the second half. Like, at that moment, when they when they fall down like that, you're, th- you're thinking, especially with the, the rich history of Bedlam, you say – yeah, this is going to spiral in Oklahoma State. This game's over. They need to, they, you know, this 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 deficit's going to get worse, and they're they're just going to have to say, okay, shrug and move on to the Big Twelve title game, and and hopefully you can beat them again. But um, amazing job by Knowles' defense, like you said, Sam. Eight consecutive stops in the second half on defense, unreal. Um, and uh, that, but that's what it, it was interesting to watch one of those games, and you you you've. You know, there's always kind of the psychological piece of the Bedlam rivalries we talked about before, Jason. And you, you kind of expect, no matter what, that Oklahoma just kind of has the upper hand on them. It was c- cool to see Oklahoma State play like the team they played like all year and, and settle down. And I think definitely the deserving team won there. Although, crazy enough, it could have swung the other way. I mean, Caleb Williams could have could have thrown the touchdown at the end there and beat Oklahoma State, and then Lincoln Riley probably is stuck at Oklahoma for another week and maybe even longer. I mean, it's it's wild to think what a fork in the road that is. And also, just all things considered, like an absolute dream night for Oklahoma State and a, and a complete nightmare weekend for Oklahoma. I mean, it's just it's just crazy to have such an extreme, uh, extreme outcome like that for both sides. Hey, Max, when Caleb Williams busted off that 50-something yard run there at the end – Boy, if he if he gets loose, and and you know there was a very controversial no no call pass interference there, possible pass interference down in the end zone that a lot of people are still really pissed off about. Although I think OU fans have moved on to other things to be pissed. There have off been about. other distractions since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there have been other distractions since then. But that night, that certainly got uh, got a lot of attention. But but Oklahoma State is a damn good team. They just are. And uh, they're the better team in the state of Oklahoma this year. Look, uh, OU fans may not like those billboards, but they're accurate. They are the best in Oklahoma this year. They are. And and Baylor, of course, appreciates Oklahoma State's win in Bedlam because that allowed the Bears to get in the Big 12 championship game second time in three years. The Bears are in there. They're 10-2. and two which a tremendous turnaround from Dave Aranda and that staff. Which, which was a hell of a close call in Waco, too. A little bit. I was there, and it, it, it did not seem like it was going to be that close initially, but give credit to Texas Tech and Sonny Cumbie for fighting, and they were able to get in position for a potential game-tying field goal at the end by Jonathan Garibay, who, by the way, 
hit a 62 yarder to beat Iowa State a few weeks ago, but his 53 yarder in Waco went wide left. So Baylor it, it had the distance though. That it had the distance. Monster leg. It just was Gar- a little little off to the side there. Garibay is a hell of a kicker, no doubt about it. But but ba- Baylor's back in. Uh, playing well defensively, a little bit of a situation with the quarterback. Gary Bohannon missed the game last week. Blake Shapen started in his place. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. So let's talk a little bit about this game. I'm curious, what are the things that stand out to you guys? Max, I'll start with you. What are some of the things that you're watching closely when Oklahoma State and Baylor take the field on Saturday? Now, did, did you go to the game in October, Sam? I did not. I watched not. it, but I was not there. Okay. I went back and looked at the the box score there out of curiosity because these teams it's been exactly two months since these teams last played and I think certainly we've seen at that point in time it was still very early in Big Twelve play that kind of game I think you started to kind of see here's what the blueprint's going to be for Oklahoma State they were starting to run Jalen Warren a lot defense was playing great Tay Martin was back and the offense was starting to click a little bit more certainly not a very high scoring game there uh, you know final score is twenty four to fourteen but. Um, the, the, the thing that just pops out to you when you look at the box score there is that Oklahoma State, uh, that defense forced punts on the first eight drives of the game for Baylor. And so um, they, they were able to shut them down. There's only one drive that went more than five plays. Um, you know, they just smothered Baylor and, and really showed you, man, this defense can, can get on you. And if you don't have the right plan to attack them, um, you're not going to score many points and not going to move the ball very much on them. So I am very curious to see, um, you know, I, th- I think certainly very highly of this Baylor coaching staff and their ability to break down tape and break down their own team and figure out here's our, our plan of attack here for a game. So I'm curious to see the differences in, in approach, and I'm, and, and I'm sure you are too, Sam. I, I think that, um, yeah, the, the quarterback thing is a little bit concerning, although I think we've seen some good things from Blake Shape, and I don't think this is a blowout if Gary Bohannon can't go. But, uh, man, there have, I mean, Oklahoma was able to hit some stuff in the first half. They were, they, they scored more points ultimately on Oklahoma state than, than other people did. Uh, but still like the offensively, they scored 24 on them. Like that's, that's about the best you can do in Oklahoma state this year. So it, it, it almost feels like there's more of a challenge just on the Baylor defense, knowing that, uh, that's, you're, you're, you're probably not going to get, if you're lucky, maybe get past 28, but your defense has got to play really well against this. Oklahoma State offense, which showed, I think, a lot of confidence, especially in that first half uh, against Oklahoma. So what do you think on the matchup there? What do you think? Uh, how do you think Baylor will approach this? Yeah, I, I think you're going to see it's probably just I think you're going to see subtle changes just because, like you said, this was the first time that Baylor was really shut down. Like this is the first time they couldn't get anything going offensively, because up until that point, there was always a stretch in the game that they would get it rolling. I remember Iowa State, they had three straight scoring drives to start that game off early in the first half of that game. They never really got it going. They had one good long drive, but really could not sustain it against Oklahoma State. And Dave Aranda, I remember saying a few weeks after that, that there were some habits, there were some things that had started to catch up with them, but they kind of could overlook because they had kept winning. And finally, in this game against Oklahoma State, some of those habits and some of those issues that kept cropping up came up to bite him. And, and so it was a little bit of a wake-up call for him. And he, he talked about that after they beat Texas. This team finally started to mature a little bit and started to find itself after that. I think you're going to see a, a little bit of a just slight adjustments. I think Jeff Grimes, he's been working all week trying to figure out how to, how to beat this defense. And to me, that's where the, the fascinating matchup is in this game is two Burrell's Award finalists, Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator to Baylor, Jim Knowles, defense coordinator, Oklahoma State. I think that's the chess match to watch in this game. I think that's where this game is going to be won and lost because we know how good this Oklahoma State defense is if Baylor cannot get anything going offensively. They have to get in a rhythm because the way their offense runs with this wide zone and the stretch and outside zone, they've got to get in some kind of rhythm just based on how they go. And if they cannot get in that, then they're in trouble. And and the Bohannon thing, that's going to be curious because – Aranda said he practiced on Monday. They're hopeful. I think he's going to play, but you know, I think it's a similar situation like what we saw a couple years ago. Max is, you know, what, how healthy is he going to be? Even if he's ready to go, are we going to have to play both guys at some point? Uh, I, I think they're going to be fine, like you, if Shapen has to go. But I, I think it's going to be a really tight nip and tuck. It's not going to be a pretty game. I think it's going to be an ugly game that we're going to watch. I was just going to say the other uh, the other quarterback in the game. I'm really interested in Spencer Sanders. I think that he is critical in this game. You know, he threw three interceptions against Baylor. 
uh, earlier this season. Then he only threw two until Bedlam. He looked like Spencer Sanders looked like he'd kind of gotten his ball security issues under control. And then he threw two interceptions in Bedlam. So I'm really interested to see how he plays. I think he's critical in this game. That's, that's my analysis on this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yes, quarterbacks are important. I agree. Uh, no, uh, no, it, but that was there was a response in that Oklahoma game because you're right, Jason. There, there was um, there were two picks in that game. The second one was kind of a tip ball, um, but still, that it was a really important moment for Spencer Sanders to not to, to to handle that the right way and to not turn it turn it over more. And and certainly they also had some, uh, you know, uh, they had some situations where you know ball on the ground and, and they were able to pick it up too, but. Um, you know, one thing when Jason and I were watching Bedlam, the thing that we were kind of keeping score of from the press box is you felt like it was a really even matchup that it, that it felt like it would be a pretty close game at the end. And the thing that I, I felt like was going to swing the game was just who gets that extra score. And there was a bunch of them in that game and it, it actually kind of evened out at the end there. But when you have, you know, when you have Brendan Presley take the kickoff back for a touchdown, you're like, okay, that that is the difference in this game of if, if a 50-50 kind of game. And, of course, then, you know, there's Oklahoma basically gets a pick six. Um, you know, you get the you get the safety, you get all that. Um, <laughs> like there there were those kind of plays that, j- that just one extra play where it, it, maybe it's a really long return, maybe it's a pick six, maybe it's a fumble, you know, fumble recovery right off the, the fumbled punt there um, by Eric Gray. That I think one of those kind of plays is going to swing this kind of game because I think these teams are are both really good, both worthy of being in the top ten, and uh, I, I think they kind of play similar styles. As as much as you know, offensively it looks a little bit different. I I think they they do they are comfortable playing in the twenties. Yeah, and I think you're you're right about the Brandon Presley thing, and Baylor's got a weapon like that with Trustin Ebner, who's a huge no doubt kickoff no return doubt. game and, and plays back and receiver for him as well. So. That that special teams aspect, I think, could be really, really huge in this game just because of how explosive they are. They are saying, do not kick to that guy. That's what they're saying this week. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And so I'm curious to see, you know, how and these teams both these teams are better than they were when they last met. I mean, Baylor has taken some huge steps since then. I think Oklahoma State, I remember at that time when they played Baylor, we were still talking about how ugly they looked and how close they were winning games. And I think they've come a long way since that point. So I think both these teams have really developed into really, really strong teams. Obviously, Oklahoma State, if they win, they're number five right now in the college football playoff rankings. Still in that mix, do, do they need – I'm curious what, both what you guys think. Jason, I'll start with you. Do you think they need help? Do they need Alabama or Cincinnati to lose? Or can an Oklahoma State win here, maybe jump them over a Cincinnati into the top four? I think it's going to be tough. I, I, I really, you know, I've, I said earlier this year that I thought I didn't think the playoff committee had the, had the guts to put Cincinnati in. I I'm starting to question that now because they are in the top four and uh, you know, I, I think that, that they are going to get in if they win. And so Oklahoma state has got to be big Georgia fans this weekend. That that's, that's what I think it comes down to. They, they need to be big Georgia fans this weekend. They need Georgia to win. I, I don't think I don't think the committee would put two loss Alabama in over one loss Oklahoma State. Do you? I don't think they would. No, no. I okay. Think, I think that uh, the one that could be interesting if we have a bunch of upsets is is I could see the committee, given what's gone on this week, I, I am curious how the committee would treat two loss Alabama that loses a close SEC title game against one loss Notre Dame. I, I am do mm-hmm. I do wonder about that one a little bit. I, I don't think you can put a two loss team in over an undefeated Cincinnati. Obviously. Um, but I, you know, you, when you work through the scenarios here, I think, I think that Bama could beat Georgia. I, I kind of think that we're going to get, I don't know, maybe it, is it silly to expect kind of the chalk outcomes on Saturday? Do you guys think if there's one of these games that you think is an upset, is there one you feel strongly about? Is it, is I just, it Iowa? Is it Houston? Is it Alabama? Who, which one would you, or was it Baylor? I mean, who, who would I, th- you I think, I think I feel most strongly about this one potentially being an upset. I would put Alabama, yeah. Georgia second, but, but I think this is probably the most likely one to go upset. I just, I just never bet against Nick Saban. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're all just sort of assuming Georgia is going to win that game. And I, I just, you know, at this time of year, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Alabama wins that game, even despite how maybe they didn't play great last week in, uh, against Auburn. So, so, so if that's the case, and I think that's certainly possible, if that's the case, 
then we're going to have a situation. Let's assume Michigan wins a Big Ten title game, although I think that game could be very close as well. We could have the, the you know, there's always kind of that Saturday night debate. It could be Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati for the final spot. Yeah. And I'm curious. So a 13 and 0 Cincinnati with a win over Notre Dame, a win over Houston, a win over SMU against an Oklahoma State team that has beaten Oklahoma, that has beaten Baylor twice, uh, and is a Big 12 champion at 12 and 1. On a, t- on a overall on a tougher schedule. Yeah, with a tougher schedule, Boise State in the non-conference win. Uh, I'm curious. What, what do we think? Is is those two lined up against? Does it matter how Cincinnati looks against Houston? If Cincinnati is has an ugly win against Houston, if it's close, if they have if they only win by a field goal late, does that make a difference? If Cincinnati goes and beats Houston by three touchdowns, I guess similarly for Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State wins by double digits here, how much does that factor in in your guys' mind, Max? What do you think? First of all, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. That puts the Big Twelve in a weird spot here. I mean, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe I guess you could call it a win-win, but still, I mean, that's 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 uncomfortable for everybody. I think that there will be because we all generally want to root for the underdog here and and want to. Um, I don't know. There's a there's a sentimentality here about this idea of man. It'd be so cool to just see a school like Houston, or excuse me, a school like Cincinnati get a shot in the playoff. I think you probably would hear a lot of people on Saturday saying Cincinnati won out. They beat Notre Dame, who's one of the best teams in the country. They, they've done everything they need to do on their schedule. They deserve to be in. I think you would hear a lot of people saying that. But if you, I think the committee, I mean, that doesn't mean the committee would do that. I, I think the committee would look very, very carefully at those resumes. And they're comp- in terms of things like strength of record and, um, you know, uh, game control and all that, you know, they're pretty comparable. I imagine they're both going to play pretty close games this weekend. Um, so I don't know that that final game is going to necessarily sway it. But um, I I could see the committee going Oklahoma State over Cincinnati. It would make a lot of people mad, especially if it's a one-loss team over an undefeated. But, man, it, it, I, I kind of hope it doesn't come down to that. I, I really kind of hope it doesn't come down to that. And we can have the clean outcome where Bama loses because I don't think Bama should be a playoff team this year. And if we could get... Now the seating will be interesting, but if we could get Georgia versus Cincinnati and Michigan versus Oklahoma State, I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Go Georgia! Uh, let's just make it easy on make it easy on everybody. Let's get Cincinnati and Oklahoma State in if they win. Of course, I'm not overlooking Baylor here, but uh, but if Oklahoma State wins, yeah, I, I like the idea of Cincinnati and. Oklahoma State getting in. By the way, Bob Bolsby's having a good weekend in that regard, right? Uh, Oklahoma State we, we, we and Baylor I mean, bar- in the championship. We're burying the lead here. I mean, my goodness, what a dream <laughs> outcome for Bob Bolsby and and for the folks in the Big Twelve that uh, you don't have to hand the trophy over to Lincoln Riley or Steve Sarkeesian this year, and uh, you could we forgot get two, about Sark. You could get two teams in the playoff. You could get two teams the in the current playoff. and the future. So. What if we also could just take the Cincinnati-Houston game, the Oklahoma State-Baylor game, and have the winners play in the ultimate Big 12 championship, and then the winner of that goes to the playoff? Well, I kind of like it. How about we have a scenario where the winner of that goes to the national title game? Because that could be how there the you playoff go. goes. <laughs> I like that. There you go. Now we're talking. I mean, we could have, like, how, how wild would that be? And honestly, look at, the, look at the sites, too. What if we have Oklahoma State-Cincinnati in Arlington, for a spot in the national title game. I mean, that is a pretty good outcome for the Big 12. Oh, I love it. I love would, it. Well, I mean, honestly, though, that would just take that would just take an Iowa loss for that to, to happen, right? Yeah. Georgia win, Iowa lose. That could happen. Yeah. Georgia win, Michigan lose, you mean? Is that no, what you sorry. Said? Sorry. Uh, Georgia win, I, Iowa win. Yeah. 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 Okay. That would be, that would be what happens, I think. With, with who? Notre Dame in the last spot, I guess? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Man, yeah, Notre Dame. That'd be awesome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And this isn't really Big 12 related, but I do want to know what you guys think. Is it fair for the committee to hold the Brian Kelly thing against Notre Dame? Is that even remotely fair? I think it's complete BS if they do. To me, it doesn't it doesn't match up with their whole we don't project thing. Because uh, that, that's that's what Gary Barta says every week on the teleconference after Tuesday. Well, we can't project the future. We can't project the future. But then what are you doing when you're selecting a team and, and holding it against them that they don't have their coach? You're projecting what they're going to look like without their coach. So I, that's that's the only thing that bothers me about it. And it is. It's There's not much the players can do about it. And it's really unfortunate. It's another reason why we need to expand this playoff and get out of to the situation where we're selecting these four teams where we actually have some auto bids. The teams earn their way in, in my opinion. So, uh, and obviously it sounds like we're still waiting on that to happen. It seems like there's not very much progress being made there, but, but yeah, it's, I think it's bullshit to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I, I, I want to believe that that's actually not really a, a big problem here that they were, they were just saying that is a thing we could consider. We have that in our writing here that we could do that if we have to. I actually think that just elevating Marcus Freeman and kind of rolling along here, like just I think having the plan in place here, um, I, I, there should be no issue. There should be no issue. Like this team can still, without Brian Kelly, if if they have to go to a playoff game, like I, I don't think you would, you would call them undeserving just because the head coach left. I mean, look at it. Literally nobody else from that staff has left to go with Brian Kelly to LSU. So it's not really like the team is materially different today than it was a, a week ago. Yeah, no, not at all. And, you know, with that with that news that Notre Dame's going to elevate Marcus Freeman, head coach, uh, I think Cincinnati fans were very happy because that means Luke Fickle's not going to Notre Dame. Uh, so let's touch on that just for a few minutes here. Cincinnati and Houston, the future Big 12 members playing in the American Athletic Championship game on, on Saturday. What do you guys think? Is, is Cincinnati going to roll here? Do you think Houston has a chance to pull in the upset? What, what, what are your thoughts, Max? I I don't know. I don't know. It. I like that we haven't seen these teams play each other, and that that's often kind of not the case in these these conference title games. Um, and it's it's. I think Houston is a very interesting sleeper, and I've had them higher in my own rankings than the, the playoff committee has. Certainly, when you look at the the disparity there between uh, the polls and the and the committee, is that the committee looks at Houston and says they are playing a terrible schedule. That that's that's just bottom line. That's what they're looking at Houston and saying. You know, they've won 11 in a row. That's awesome. Their one loss is to, you know, a 500 Big 12 team. But that was also a very long time ago. That team's gotten better. Uh, so I think that uh, I, 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 it's Cincinnati. So, like, I wouldn't really be surprised if this game is really close. It's certainly going to take a lot of things going right for Houston to, to win, to, you know, to have a chance to win this game. Uh, but they, they are a team that I don't think people should sleep on. I, I really don't. I, I think they – have I don't think they're better than Cincinnati. I don't think they've had a better season than Cincinnati, but in a one game setting, I think they've got a shot. Yeah, I think they're defensively, I think that's where I give them a really good chance just because sure. they're so good on their defensive front. Their defensive line is deep, they're fast, they're physical, they gaff for the quarterback. And if, if you're gonna affect the team like Cincinnati, I think that's that's where you have to start is you have to get after Desmond Ritter. So I, I do give them a pretty good chance, uh, and we'll get into the picks here in just a second. But I, I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. Houston's a really good team, and Clayton Toon has played some of the best ball of his career these last few weeks. He's finally gotten a rhythm. He's taking care of the ball. He's healthy. He's he's running around really well. Uh, the team seems to be fairly healthy. I think they've got a few guys banged up, but but Dana Holgerson feels like they're going to be full strength. But I also look at Cincinnati, uh, the way they looked against SMU, the way they met the moment in that game and, and just blew them out of the water. And I know SMU had some distractions, stuff like that. I don't think Houston's not going to have anything of the sort. And I think Houston's a better team than SMU, quite frankly. But I think this is going to be a really, really hard-fought game, and, and I'm fascinated by it. So let's let's go ahead and start getting into picks here. Uh, our favorite time of the week, my favorite time of the week, uh, and our, our last Screw time you. we'll do it. <laughs> oh, whatever. 
the last time we'll do it this season, I believe. I, I, I don't know that we're going to do any, unless we do bull picks. But we, we got to do bull picks. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, do bull, bull picks. picks. Okay, we so do. we'll do bull picks. So we'll do it one more time after this. But this is the last time for the regular season, ostensibly. Let's recap the standings. Of course, yours truly uh, is leading the way, 61-41-1. We had the first push last week. Uh, Bedlam ended up being a push for all of us. So yeah. we all was, have a tie. Line was four when we picked it, and, uh, yeah. you know. How about that? I'm surprised it's only happened one time this year. I know, I know. So, so I'm 61, 41, and one. Max still in second place after moving up last week, 49, 53, and one. And Jason, 48, 54, and one. So let's start with the Big 12 championship game at Jerry World, AT&T Stadium, 11 a.m. Central on Saturday. Baylor and Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are a five and a half point favorite. I'll start with you, Max. What do you think? Well, all right. Let me, let me ask you all this. And Jason, you covered this game, so you, uh, you'd have a good sense. Is it possible that finally beating Oklahoma is both such a physical game and such an emotional high that we should sort of brace for the possibility here that this game is going to be a struggle for Oklahoma State? Yeah, I was thinking something along those lines myself. I think that that is very, very possible. I think that's very possible. Yes. Um. I mean, they, you know, they ended the Lincoln Riley era. <laughs> they didn't they actually did. end the Lincoln Riley era, but you could tell yourself that. Um, and uh, <laughs> they they vanquished the rival, and every. I I think it's it's a really interesting game to have to turn around and go play because because Baylor is is I think going to be a really tough test. I think Oklahoma State is going to win this game, and five and a half is an interesting line. I I. I'm inclined to uh, – I think Oklahoma State will cover the five and a half, but I really could go either way here. I I, I, I say that out of respect to Baylor. I, I think that – I don't think this is going to be a 20-point win. And if it is, I mean, then that, that's perfectly time for Oklahoma State in, in terms of the playoff. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, even though I did have the thoughts about a Bedlam letdown, that that kind of thing, I do think Oklahoma State's going to cover. I think they're the better team. Um, I really believe in that defense. And, uh, yeah, I I think Oklahoma State wins. And and then I think they go to the playoff. I really do. I'm going to take Baylor to cover. I I agree with you guys that Oklahoma State's going to win this game. Uh, I just think – right now, I guess the one that gives me a little bit of pause is the quarterback situation with Baylor. If Gary Bohannon were healthy – uh, I think I'd feel a little bit better about it. And, and that's not to take away from Blake Shapen. I think he's fine. And I, I thought he played well last week. Uh, and honestly, I think he's got uh, I think he's got some traits that really help this offense. And I wouldn't be shocked if, if he ended up starting and leading him to a win. I wouldn't be stunned at all. But that said, I just think the way that Oklahoma State has been playing, the momentum they've had, and they, they've already beaten this team once. I know it's not easy to beat a team twice. But I think they will win. But I think Baylor will cover. I think this is going to be a very nip and tuck in the low 20s, mid-20s kind of game. Kind of a high-stress kind of game. Yeah, very much so where possessions are magnified and we're going to be tense going into the fourth quarter because you're going to have no idea which way it's going. So I I think Baylor's going to cover the five and a half. I think just based on on how good these defenses are on both sides, Baylor's defense is really good too. I just don't think the spread's going to be that big. So I'm going to take Baylor to cover. And and Uh, we we, we think that Baylor, the way it's setting up, it seems like Baylor's getting into New Year's six no matter what, right? I think so. I, I I mean I'm not I shouldn't say no matter what, but um I, I think from that standpoint, obviously I, I I don't think there's enough chaos that can happen that Baylor gets into the playoff, but that you can approach this a little bit from a we got nothing to lose kind of game. I would think. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I mean there there's there's nothing yeah. I mean I don't know that the players are eyeing what bowl they're gonna get to. Certainly they want to get to a good one, but but they're not getting in the playoff. They just want a Big Twelve championship. That's sure. that's all. That's all there For is. Sure. To and it. these and a lot of players on this team, as you know, Sam, a lot of players on this Baylor team played in this stadium two years ago and came very close. And if their quarterback hadn't been injured, they may have been able to win that game. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure there's a. It, you're not going against Oklahoma here, but I'm sure there's a revenge element of this too for those players that that want to want to finish out their their long careers at Baylor the right way. Yeah, if if Bohannon starts this game, eighteen of the twenty two starters were on that team that's in uh, in two thousand nineteen. Uh, so that that's that that matters a lot for Baylor in this game. Uh, let's go over to the the future Big Twelve teams: Houston, Cincinnati, uh, at Nippert Stadium. 
Uh, Cincinnati, 10.5-point favorite against Houston. Uh, Jason, what do, what do you think? I think Cincinnati's going to cover. I do. I, I, I think Houston is a good team, like you guys were saying, but – I think this is such an opportunity for the for the for Cincinnati to put one more final stamp on this season, to send one more final message to the playoff committee, and I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to win by more than ten and a half. Max, what do you think? Uh, I <clears throat> I I really want to agree with that with that line of thinking. I think I'm going to take Houston plus ten and a half just to. I don't know. I need to make up some games here too, so that's part of it. <laughs> um, and I saw, so and I certainly might go zero and two this week. But um, <clears throat> I think that uh, I think it's gonna be a really good game, and and I I could certainly see this game, you know, being a home game for Cincinnati, and they, and they they don't lose at home under Luke Fickle, um, and I don't think an upset's gonna happen. But I do think this game has a chance to be be a little bit closer. I. I I, I just I just think Houston's better than some of these teams that they've, you know. I, I know SMU did not play them close, and and Houston played a super close game with SMU. So maybe we should be taking our cues from that a little bit. But um, I think the pressure that comes with this one is just a little bit different. And so I don't feel good about this. I'm kind of going opposite mode here on on what I really think. But I'm going to go Houston plus ten and a half. I'm taking Houston plus ten and a half. Of course, I have to make the homer pick here, but. Uh, I do think Houston's going to really give them a, a run. I, I do. I think this is going to be a really nip and tuck game. I think this defense is going to get after it. Um, and the the other wild card in this game is Marcus Jones. Uh, Max, you know I've been putting him in the Heisman Trail poll. Oh, I still that am you? putting him. Is that you've been, that is me. That is me. That is me. I mean, hey, tied for the national lead interceptions, two kick return touchdowns, two punt return touchdowns. He plays receiver. He does every damn thing on the field, and uh, th- this might this might be a chance if if they if Houston can somehow pull off the upset and uh, he has a big return or, or an interception or two, this might be a chance where he can get himself some votes. So, uh, by the way, I'm going to spend like my entire Monday trying to figure out who to vote for on Heisman. Like I I don't know. Defense. When's it due? Is it due Monday night? It's due Monday. Monday at five Eastern, I believe. I'm going to spend all. I mean, I got to do my own. I don't feel strongly about that stuff at all. And I know I, everyone's going to be kind of riding the wave of the title games, right? So, like, if Hutchinson has a crazy game against Iowa, if Will Anderson gets four more TFLs, which he certainly could, people will kind of I, – I think these title games will completely, like, decide who wins this. Yeah, I, I think sure it will. I'm not sure that should be how it is, but, man, uh, it feels – it's still uh, – you know, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my vote. I don't know about y'all. The last two weeks, I've been I've had a Hutchinson and Will Anderson at the top and flip flop. I had Will Anderson the first couple of weeks ago. I had Hutchinson on first last week, and I've had both those guys on my ballot for several weeks. So, uh, to me, I will be watching the the title games for that reason too. And and like I said, I've had Marcus Jones on it as well. I I've been all defense this year because I just haven't I haven't thought there's been some really great offensive players. I had Kenneth Walker, you yeah. know, midway through the season atop my straw poll, but. This has been a year for defensive players, and and, and I, I am glad that we're. it seems like us as a voting block are starting to recognize that because I was one of those ones that was heartbroken in 2009 when Ndamukong Sue did not win it. Uh, but but yeah, same uh, here. Same it, it's it's uh, it's something. So <laughs> I'll take Houston to cover, and I think it's going to be a really, really fascinating game. Uh, Max, you and I will be at the Big 12 Championship in Jerry World. Huzzah. Jason. I think you're heading. To, are you heading to the airport? Are you going to be on Lincoln Riley? I'm sorry, uh, Oklahoma Coach Watch. Uh, Not, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> Not Lincoln Riley. Not Lincoln Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be weird, guys. I'm used to spending this weekend in the Metroplex. So uh, Lincoln Riley called weird. it his second home when he was at Big Twelve Media Days. He did. I forgot about that. He certainly <laughs> oh, did. That's how he yeah. opened his press conference. Yeah, and and certainly, uh, I mean, on the bright side, you, you've got. You've got a lovely holiday in San Antonio to look forward to, right, Jason? I'm looking forward to. It. I've never been to that. But if that's where they end up, I got no problem with that. <laughs> there's nothing. Li- there's nothing like going down on the river walk. And- sorry, but but what I was going to say, what I'm really kind of rooting for, and I know it's unlikely, is that they end up in the Fiesta Bowl. And the reason is it's the only New Year's Six I've never covered, and I've always heard great things about it. So, crossing my fingers for Fiesta, but I'll take I'll take Alamo. I'll take Alamo. And no who's problem. coaching? Who's coaching the Fiesta Bowl? Huh? 
with Bobby Stoops leading him leading him out the tunnel with Bob, there with 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 Robert Stoops. That's right. <laughs> I look. There is something. There was something strangely weird and nostalgic and cool about being back in that room with Bob Stoops behind that podium. I have to say, it was a flashback <laughs> to me. It brought back a lot of memories. And in fact, after the presser, I walked up to Bob and shook his hand, and he said, "Well, just like old times, huh, Jason?" So, <laughs> and it really was. And it's going to be like that again at the bowl game. So, seeing him put that visor on again i must admit it's gonna be pretty cool i really will wish they, he would have had the, i really wish he'd had the tequila bottle kind of like nick will, Saban will had the they Coke give bottle. him like a yes. gatorade tequila bath if he wins can we do that <laughs> i'll have to check with the rock and roll people and see if they there's got to be a out. flavor of gatorade that mixes okay with tequila i'm sure college kids have figured that out yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that, but I would. I, I'm sh- I'm sure that that exists. If they win, if they win the bowl game and the post game trophy presentation, the podium, he's got to he's got to take a shot, right? You got to take a shot and promo. You got you got to lean in and get your brand recognition out there. I should also say, guys, we haven't even mentioned this. Bob Stoops is not stepping away from Big Noon kickoff uh, oh. while he's doing this. He will be at the Big Ten championship game, part of the panel this weekend, while the interim coach at Oklahoma. Wild times, guys. I want to. I'm going to tune in just to see if he says anything. Just to see if there's any subtle shade thrown uh, back at his old. Uh, his do you, old. Do you think friend. so? Are they paying him like his old salary on just like like on a weekly basis, or how does this work, Jason? Uh, I believe I saw that he's being paid three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Just a flat fee. I believe. I believe that's what I saw on a Regents uh, agenda. Must be nice. Yeah. Must be nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll coach for half that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> guys, it's been a great, great up. Uh, thanks to you guys, and thanks to all of you as always for listening. We're here every Thursday in the Andy Staple Show and Friends podcast feed. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also find our stores on the Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com/slash one true pod. You get comprehensive coverage of the end of this college football season and so much more. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.